to another episode of the midwest monsters podcast i'm one of your hosts grizzly abner and i'm joined by professor wagstaff hot toddy venomous Vinny. good to be with you again folks as we dive into a very specific trilogy this evening we uh mentioned a couple of these movies in passing uh who you're going to so um you know i i want to throw this out to professor first just to kind of touch base about this um where it lands and you know the grand scheme of italian cinema because you know italian horror cinema way more than any of the other three of us sitting here um maybe talk about giallo a little bit so um well this is this is the gateway drug this is the one that uh over the years uh young horror fans come across it's it's just more accessible uh, it's more talked about and the premise is much more enticing uh per se you know for somebody who doesn't know much about uh, Italian horror films or Jalo films. So with that, I know I've talked about it previously on the show. I watched this in college and it completely, it blew my mind the first time I saw Suspiria because it, it basically educated me as a viewer in the sense of um, the, how different angles of filmmaking can be scary and can tell a different story. And so what's interesting with this is it's not quite as out there as it has gotten in tons of Italian horror. This stays a little bit more grounded, but it gives you uh, kind of get your palate ready for how a lot of times it's more about how it makes you feel than what it tells you. Mm-hmm. And so the, the approach with, um, they frequently refer to it um, just as nightmare cinema, which is very common in, in both straight Italian horror and Jallo films, like sometimes things don't have to make sense for it to continue the story along and, and it evoke reactions from you. And so with this, I mean, it between the, the color presentation, um, the soundtrack from Goblin, it's basically a sensory assault mm-hmm. on the viewer. And very frequently, you know, it, it, it was never out pointing it out to you right and so you'll have music playing um that's not necessarily foreshadowing anything it's just in the moment Mm -hmm. um so for me this kind of became um a drug for me that i i never got uh you know as obsessed as some people do with it um some people uh get into italian horror and make concessions for everything. Some of it is not for everybody. Some of it is a swing and a miss. I would say a lot of it is not for everybody. And so, so with that, I mean, that's important to keep in mind. Like I absolutely love Suspiria, but at the same time, I don't expect, you know, someone who's watched, you know, some of just the American classics, 
you know, if you've seen Psycho and Halloween and you love these movies, I don't necessarily expect you guaranteed to love this. But for a percentage of people, it, it never lets go. Well, I just I just realized that I misunderstood the assignment. I actually watched a season of Daria instead. So <laughs> I'll just set this one out. Um, but with that, it just it, it just kind of made me view uh, watching horror movies differently. And I think that's the most important thing for my relationship with this movie is that it still remains effective. And it's not just nostalgia that makes me enjoy it. But that always had the unique relationship for mm-hmm. me because it made me think, man, there's films, horror films from all over the world. And they're approaching it differently. Um we talked about it, you know, in the previous episode with uh, Train of Busan and just how uh, not everyone approaches it the same way that we do. Right. And so with this, it it just it goes at you in different ways that I think are just fascinating. And, you know, for anybody that watches this and enjoys it, he's got a whole wealth of films that you can get into. He This was more of a leap for him, just as a quick background on that. Most of him were more very violent and sensual Jallo films, supernatural, which he never stayed with heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, because the kind of the dime novels, the pulp novels these were based on had yellow pages. And so that's where this idea of yellow comes from. And when you talk about a lot of Jallo movies, not these, but a lot of them, um, you talk about like a music artist coming out and they've got like two or three hit singles and they build an album around it just so they can sell those three singles. A lot of Jallo movies are just like, three great scenes with an hour and a half movie based around it. You know what I mean? Because you're right. It's very much of that sensory overload and they want uh, the Giallo movies are very much about how it makes you feel rather than how it tells the story. Right. And for a lot of people, that's, he all had done uh, what they call the animal trilogy before this. So somebody, Oh, uh, with, he did that with in and out burger, right? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) if he, uh, if, so if, man, that threw me off. Um, If a viewer watches this, uh, because we've talked about it and likes it, that's an interesting uh, rewind on him. Because mm. he had um, Four Flies on Grey Velvet, uh, Cat of Nine Tails, and um, with Crystal Plumage. Yeah, I see Vinny yeah, ordering those on Amazon right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So those are interesting, uh, and those are straight Jallo films. So cool. All right, so um, Hot Toddy overall impressions going into this mother's trilogy um the just the trilogy or like or the a touch on the genre both how um, about that i think i think for me and it's it's weird but the the more i think about these type of films it's uh anchor bay i think was starting to release a lot of them yep. on vhs that's how i've got most of um i am suspiria is a movie i've always heard of had never seen and, and i bought it when they released it and then um uh, I can't even think of the movie now. There's another one that it wasn't um, Argento, but probably like Bavo or Bavo. Or Fulci. Yeah, it was one of them. Um, a zombie was another one I'd seen, and uh, I can't think of the other one. But like, I would say uh, even I didn't quite get some of them, but the visual stood up so much that uh, like I can't think which one it is, but they they have a thing with eyes. There's always a uh, there's always somebody getting stabbed in that, and then I with a splinter or, or something crazy. Uh, as I rewatch them, I've, I've definitely grown to love them more. Um, Suspiria was something I loved from the first time I watched it, and um, I think a lot of it for me is, um, and it, it almost feels like you're watching a cartoon in, in some places. 
and definitely the soundtrack. I think Goblin makes a big part oh, yeah. in a lot of these. Uh, I think it's a good blend of all of them. And uh, Suspiria is definitely something that the more I watch it, the more... I, the first time I watched it, I don't even think I picked up that they were witches for some reason. Um, but it's kind of like... I think Suspiria is probably one of the first ones of, of this genre that I had seen. So it was kind of... Like Ryan pointed out, when you go from watching Psycho and, and, and Freddy and, and Halloween... And then you watch Suspiria, it's it's totally, oh yeah, totally like almost like. I've seen some Italian zombie flicks in the past, but that's about as far as my involvement is. <clears throat> um, so I didn't know what to expect. And I'll go ahead. I'm going to be a dissenting voice here on these so far. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> no, these movies are the kind of movies that make me feel dumb because I sit and I watch them confused and then at the end of them i'm like i bet there was something i was supposed to get that i didn't get i, I think that and they make me feel do, dumb no. uh, here's, here's a secret there usually isn't okay well then i feel better uh, and that's what frustrates me about italian horror is i'm like man i feel like there was a bigger point here and then i'm and like I no it, it's just I'm an done. italian film there is uh, no bigger point now I'll I'll uh, focus. Well, I don't I don't want to get too deep on anything because we're gonna go movie by movie. So I'm I'm gonna leave it at I'm gonna leave it at that for now. Just that these are the, these movies aren't exactly for me. Um, and like I say, they're because the, they're the kind of movies that make me feel dumb at the end because I feel like I missed something. I, I think it's easy to. I think when I watch a foreign movie, especially these type of movies, um, if it was American, there's a lot of American movies where. A character comes on the screen and they're killed five seconds later. And these do it, but I get so damn confused on who is who. Um, Are you saying they all it, look the same, Todd? They Are do you all, saying all, all Italians look the, same. look the same? It's 2018, dog. Uh, now, there are things that I do like about these movies, and we'll get into that later. But as an initial overview going into it, as somebody who'd never seen them, I, I left feeling like I was dumb. Not that the movies were dumb, but that I was dumb. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that being said, let's launch into Suspiria here. Professor, do you have any dates and details on Suspiria? Uh, Well, well, let's just clarify this. They're all directed by Dario Argento. We can get that out of the way. Which one? Dario. Suspiria came out in 1977. Uh, Some notable names from it was Jessica Harper, uh, who listeners may recognize from films, something like Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, is one that I always think of uh, was her in it. She also did. She was in Shock Treatment, she was in sh- which most people probably never will watch. Shock Treatment. Yeah, right. Um, I'll make you guys one time for this. Fan of the Paradise. That's Brian De Palma, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was our first movie, I think. Yeah. Can I ask a dumb question? Because I, I tried looking it up. Maybe it's her look, but I swear she's like played Karen Carpenter or something. And she has she like could, a Karen yeah. Carpenter quality. She can sing too. Yeah, because she does she have. Did. I think she does have albums too. So yeah, um, Joan Bennett. Uh, American actress who dated back to noir films. She was in like Scarlet Street with uh, Edward G. Robinson. Uh, she's the head, the head honcho there. Mm-hmm. So it was a fun role. Um, and the reason she basically was in that is Scarlet Street was directed by Fritz Lang, who Argento worshipped. And so that's basically why she's in there. Is okay. He got to kind of have that one degree of separation from the director, director he admired. Um, Udo Kier has a small role in there. He's a familiar face to our genre mm-hmm. over the years. Um, I, did, man, I had to look back him up too. Yeah. Yeah. I had to look up to, again, I, I'm confused on characters. I had to see if he was, he is playing a different character in the, in the third film, but yeah. I thought it, 
thought it was the same person. And then uh, the other notable name was um, Argento's future wife, uh, Daria Nicolati. And she wrote this with him. Okay. Uh, there was some bad blood because she helped write Inferno and got no credit for it. Maybe now we on. got bad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she um, she was a huge part in developing these movies. Uh, so far as to where it turned into a marriage with him. There you go. All right. So Suspiria follows um, a girl who is going to a fancy ballet school. Uh, this one's in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she goes to Germany. Um, I just got to say, uh, when she lands at the airport, like, you got to think about what year this was. Like, where you just walk straight through the airport? Yes. Well, that, uh, no smartphones, you know, go out, hail a taxi in the falling, pouring down rain in a foreign country where you no don't self, speak the no language. Cell yeah, no cell phones. Like, I, I just got anxious from that. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine being a, you know, someone in their 20s, which college age, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. and going to a foreign country where you don't speak the language and just... And I, we, I kind of feel like her character, because uh, I think it's not mentioned a lot, but her dad was like a rock star. So I kind of feel mm. like, uh, almost like she's kind of used to this crap. Okay. But yeah, if that was if that was me, I probably would I don't think I would have made it past the airport. Well, and, and we <laughs> immediately begin <laughs> the, the uh, transition from modern to fairy tale. Uh, with a very alienating feel in an airport. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's disorienting right from the jump because they're playing the music as we're looking at the door and uh, who's up ahead. And it's cutting back and forth to just her walking and then the, the ominous music. So right from the start, we're setting the table for a different kind of world. It's like we're leaving the airport as she's landed. And you're right, it's very bizarre with how uh, just kind of abandoned it feels. Mm-hmm. Cab driver won't even get her bags. Yeah, right. It's pouring down rain. Yeah, that's it's pretty unsettling. It, it, it doesn't right get any beginning. better, really, when they when they get to the school. Yeah, how's that for a welcome? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go away. Somebody fleeing. Yeah, someone screaming, crying, leaving, and then they won't let you in. You go away. <laughs> we don't know you here. <laughs> Vinny, how do you feel about the beginning of this? <laughs> My first feelings of the movie, and I don't know at what point it hit me, but my first feelings were uh, definitely noticing the way colors were filmed. Mm-hmm. That really stuck out as different from, especially things from that era. Um, the sets really stuck out to me. Uh, and even just, it was more the, the way the film was made, more than more than the story, more than the actors. It was the way things were filmed, angles that they were filmed out, things like that. The artistic... Uh, design of the entire thing is what stuck out to me initially. And honestly, I feel like that's what the entire movie is. Like all movies are art or whatever, but this felt like a moving art piece to me, Um, which I think is why it's open more to interpretation from people because it doesn't feel like that straightforward of, I just do, do, does that make sense that, that, more than like a straight line plot and story. No, I get that. Like most movies, it feels more like it's open to interpretation and you can take what you, each person takes something different away from it. It's mm-hmm. kind of how I saw it. Yeah. Sure. I, to a certain degree. I think part of it too, is that uh, the way we tell narrative in American films is vastly different. Yeah. And so why we're still in Suspiria, we're feeding you, you know, 
points of the plot along the way, it it doesn't present itself in the same way. And the soundtrack struck me as as quite a bit different than things that I have seen, especially from that era. Yeah. So I mean the with this, and I think this is a a, a common problem for people with, um, you know, Italian horror is that there's it it seems like there's more there than there is. And so if you go back with this, which I mean, we'll hit the high points along the way, Mm -hmm. but if you list just kind of the meat and potatoes of it, it's a pretty straightforward story about a girl who goes to a school and uncovers something. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's some scary things along the way and it's like at its core is really not that different. But what I find fascinating is when we blossom out from that, how they choose to paint that for us. I mean, literally in this with the Mm -hmm. colors, Uh, but some of the things aren't given in a traditional way. You know what I mean? And right. so that's where I think kind of the, where it doesn't jive with some people. And I hope that doesn't come off as condescending. I don't mean it. That well, and I, I just don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's linear. Like, I don't think it, it strikes your linear sensibilities of storytelling. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what throws you. <clears throat> it would be like, it would be easy for me having a decent idea of how other people at the podcast feel about it to bullshit my way. And it's like, no, I thought it was really interesting this and that, but I think it's more honest for me to be like, yeah, I kind of no. don't get it. You know what I mean? Well, and yeah. I think and that's I, a I more kind of don't get it. Compelling conversation to listen to, especially if you've never seen the movies and you just watched it for the first time, there's a percentage of people who agree with you a hundred percent. I left all, I left that. all of these movies feeling the exact same way that I felt after I watched Eraserhead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Like, I don't hate it. Like, I I think it's, I think there's neat stuff, but I don't know what the fuck I just watched. And that's exactly how I felt with all of these movies. Gotcha. <laughs> I think to touch on what you said, even uh, considering this is 77, if you, even Halloween, if you think about any movie in late 70s, like, it didn't do 70s fashion. It didn't really do 70s music. Um it, it really, it almost, it's almost weird to like pinpoint the time or place. Like everything's high fashion and like even, even the looks of uh, everything, even in just like a bedroom. Uh, if I was just looking at Suspiria and I knew nothing about it, I would guess it was made in the 1960s. Yeah. It's well, and, and like the time period is off. And then uh, I think I read somewhere. Cause again, the, the to me, it, it has a technicolor fill. Oh yeah. I, I seen somewhere that he wanted to push. He made everybody watch Snow White. <laughs> Puka disagrees with you, sir. <laughs> but uh, it almost feels like watching a cartoon, and then uh, rewatching it for this, and just coming off of a uh, creep show, I could see where uh, it almost like because Ramiro did a lot of the same shots, but for a comic book feel, and it almost it's it's really an odd movie for uh, especially a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, why I like this movie is it's kind of I think we're in the same place, but. I kind of like at the. I feel the same way at the end of the movie. I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? But I'm like, oh, I kind of liked it. You kind of like that. Like, like me, yeah, me on the other hand, it puts me off because I I want it, to, it, I want to understand. I think what it's I meant to put you off because you know even I mean? the uh, it almost has like weird like like Benny Hill end credits where it's I'm like, is there still movie? <laughs> what's what's happening? Uh, and it doesn't it say like yeah, you've been watching Suspiria or. Kind of like you've been watching Hee Haw. Like it's a, it's it's an odd movie, and I think that's what I like about it. Um, I know to me, and uh, the, for for this uh, this episode, 
I'd never watched Mother of Tears, the third movie. And I think I stayed away from it for so long because what I liked about the first two, I never thought the third one would touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's many times, and I think that's just with this genre, many times I'm like, what did I just watch? Um, but like, I kind of like the unsettling. Yeah. Uh, Vinny, I just got to tell you, you're not alone in this group. Good. Um, <laughs> these these movies just don't hit for me. You're stupid um, too. Yep. <laughs> You're supposed to whisper that. Kill yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, they just don't hit for me. I think Suspiria is a is a film that uh, people who are fans of the horror genre should see definitely because uh, I think it's probably most accessible of a lot of the Italian films. Yeah. And I think people who are into like film as art should most definitely I wonder how many people oh, yeah. watch Cinematography. this for, for an acid trip if you if you went to a film school right now and you gathered all the, the students there that were horror fans this film is going to be in all of their top fives yeah. without a doubt not even top ten this is going to be in all their top fives um, it just doesn't hit for me and that's fine like the, the whole trilogy doesn't I there's certainly things I appreciate about each one of these films and I'll talk about that but uh, yeah it just doesn't hit for me I don't know Suspiria may be the only one I'll ever watch again. I don't know. Like, then who knows? Maybe 20 years from now, I'll pop them back in late at night and go, huh, maybe that, that maybe something's different about my life at that point that, that I enjoy it more. But this is the third time I've watched Suspiria and, um, it just doesn't do a lot for me. It's not a bad movie. It just doesn't do much for me. Um, except for uh, things we've all touched on the colors. I think it's gorgeous. It's neat to look at. Um, kind of the same point we made with Lords of Salem. You know, it's a gorgeous film to look at. Just, mm-hmm. I, I like a good looking I, I, film. The Rob Zombie came to mind a lot for me at, with this movie because I feel like it's the same thing as the opinions that I have his movies that I, visually I think they are absolutely stunning and I love the art direction, but just something doesn't hit with me on the delivery. Uh, and the soundtrack again, as we talked about from Goblin, um, I just think that the music's great in this and the way that it just yeah. unsettles you and get you out of your comfort zone and like there's so much just going on of color and murder and sound and you're just like ah stop <laughs> am i alone in thinking that they had the worst blind man ever in a movie his performance of being blind was so dumb <laughs> <laughs> and over the top i like when he quits or did he get fired what happened he gets escorted out, doesn't he? Yeah, you guys ever even seen this out. movie? <laughs> I, I would like to see. No, he uh, got let go because his dog bit a kid. That's right. I would like to see the professor start cosplaying as the little Dutch boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have you go in front of me and shine light and throw dust yes. and glitter yeah. in front of me. <laughs> or cosplay as the blind guy. Yeah. He had a pretty major role yeah. as far as males go in the Walk film. around with a German shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i would say like and maybe it's what you guys are touching on and I, I said it earlier i think i think what it lacks to me is uh there is like a lack of character development and i think that's why the characters don't stand out to me and maybe it is that it just doesn't appeal to my american sensibilities for storytelling yeah, yeah the storytelling is it is out there and, and i think a, i think a major goal with how he did this film and something to keep in mind is i think that he sets out to make you experience it as Susie does. Yeah. Because she is being, you know, basically gradually assaulted by the work of these witches. They're just, you know, they're making her sick. They're making her disoriented. Hashtag me too. And so I think that 
part of the goal with that is to go on that journey with her yeah. because at the core of this, it's like a different version of Snow White. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, the pretty pleasant girl who's out in the middle of the woods and we've got the witches who are, you know, bringing her down for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, because if nothing else, they sense that she senses something. And so to me, that's the film and all of the other stuff are just expressions along the way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's really it. I mean, she has come out for ballet school and has discovered that she is somewhere that is much more than that. There's something sinister mm-hmm. here and it knows that she knows. And to me, that's, that's the whole film in a nutshell. Everything else is moving parts. Everything else are just little slices. I think of him injecting uh, ideas into the film. I mean, something as subtle as men, they're blind, they're deaf, they're broke. Mm-hmm. There's no strong male character here. Yeah. This is a very feminine film, with, even with the decorations to the place. It's, it's just a, a different approach, uh, basically, you know, to this ballet school out in the middle of nowhere. So you've got some of that old Grimm's like fairy tale to it, uh, you know, a little bit of Snow White. And I think all of the other stuff, it's just they're isolated moments to add to a very thin story. And I think that a lot of times people can find more enjoyment in Italian horror if they can just grasp, get a hold of that little core to it and just let the rest kind of wash over you as you watch it. And so for me, that's why I enjoy it. But, you know, at the same time, that's why some people don't get much out of it because they want a deeper narrative. Um, And it's just, it's not going to be there in a lot of those films. Uh, I don't even know that I want it as I was looking for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was expecting it. And then at the end, I was like, like I say, it's so artsy that you're like, I missed it. It's just some deep underlying thing. It's kind of tell, hard to tell, too, where, where these movies are going, too, as you watch it. Yeah. Or, or what you just saw. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, something weird that I don't normally say a lot, but because of, um, because of the style of this movie, I am interested in the remake that's coming out this year because um, I think the it's, it's an American-made film, or at least it has American actors. Um, I don't think they're going for the crazy like visuals, and I think it's grounded. And and uh, Tilda Swinton, Swinton plays uh, I don't think they say her name in the movie, but the the modern Suspirian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dakota Johnson and and Chloe Grace Moretz mm-hmm. is in the film. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do because of how uh, there's a lot you could do with uh, remaking Suspiria. Um, so hopefully it's not just you know I think if they copied like. I like Suspiria because it is so different. Um, but there is a lot to the stories of these movies that I would like to see more of because it, well, and they're going to try to market this to the masses. So yeah, we're going to get a lot of change. Well, and it, it does a uh, you know as much as I do like these movies, but there is a uh, it's almost like a lack in uh, there's a lot of storytelling, but there is a lack of like uh, like the plot is almost very thin. Uh, so there is a lot you could do with these movies. So I'm I am interested. Uh, more than some other movies when when I find out they're being remade to, just to see uh, just to see what they do with this one sure so yeah for the minute she gets to the school we've got the the girl frantically leaving and she tells her blue iris 
Mm-hmm. And so then once the movie's done, we know what Blue Iris is. Mm-hmm. That's uh, later what leads us into the no-no room. Um, but I'm just trying <laughs> to give my a, bedroom. <laughs> yeah, just trying to give a, a quick overall run through real quick without going too deep into it because uh, most of it is just isolated experiences you need to watch. They don't really help to talk about. So, but this girl has clearly uh, poked around, and that's why we learned from the jump. She's frantically leaving. Uh, we have that incredible and famous scene with the uh, going through the stained glass, and and we let it hold in her head, and the glass glass cracking a little bit. Uh, to me, that's one of the best parts of the movie from a horror aspect. Is a just serious little Satan hand. Yeah, <laughs> comes out of the out of basically the night. Uh, although HD doesn't help that too much. Uh, so some there's a few things in the movie that stand out uh, in the high definition that maybe worked a little bit better. Uh, something we need to mention: we went and saw this on the big screen last year, and that was quite the experience. That the it, soundtrack needs to be up loud like they had it. And this was an old original print. Yeah, it wasn't the, the it wasn't the remastered, so it was kind of like the. Uh... It felt more dangerous. It's a little scratchy, and the, they had the music blaring. It was a great experience, uh, but so. She encounters this girl who meets her demise. Uh, we learn later on that that's because she was figuring out what's going on there. But so the the rest of the way is leading up to our main character, Susie, mm-hmm. sensing more and more and poking around more and more. And so they use some great vehicles for that. Um, towards the end, I love when she counts the steps because she knows the directions and how it doesn't make sense that somebody's going somewhere that she's not aware of because of the number of steps, because she knows the layout. Right. And, uh, I mean, to me, that's, that's the whole film is, is we've got a coven of witches. We hear, uh, some background on rumors about the black queen, Mm -hmm. uh, being here, uh, from over a century ago and that witches were this, this place was built for them. And it's basically like a front. And so she gets that information from Udo Kier when she meets in the very cliche. That's for people who watch Italian horror films or Jallo films. You'll you'll notice this frequently. They put them in these like public square areas all the time to get important information. You'll always have two people like meet out like in a little town square or something like that because it's safe. Yeah, and so uh, they she gets some of that information there. So that kind of gives you this element of a. Uh, of kind of elevating the sinister nature of what's going on there, that this is not just a generational thing. This is long running. This is something powerful um, and dangerous. And so, uh, you know, just with the musical cues as she starts to uncover there, um, it's just jarring, especially if you've got it on the big screen and it's blaring. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've got, I mean, how how deep do we want to go into the plot? Do we really want to cover a lot more? No, I mean, because as, as, as time's running on the podcast here, I think maybe if we just hit some of the high spots, um, and I, I really hate to handicap you because I know this is one of your favorite movies. That's no, all right. Now you're upset. You guys hate it. I Why would we it. want to talk anyway? I'm just kidding. <laughs> your eyes are red. You've been crying. You're, you're very mad. <laughs> um, all the things you said, yes. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, when all that starts to come together and you know, then like, you know, the chase is on, you know, when things start to get really serious, man, that when she goes into that room and it's full of razor wire, mm-hmm. yes, that's that one of my was notes. a very effective yes. scene for me. Yeah. I was like, ah, 
Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, it's like when they're laying the place out, they're like, okay, let's do art deco in these three rooms. <laughs> Just put a bunch of barbed wire in this one. <laughs> cool. Perfect. Got it. Got it. Good. Good. Uh, but yeah, back to what you said with the, the iconic death scene at the beginning and the colors and the sound and like even, uh, you know, this was Carrie's first time watching Suspiria with me and she was like, I can't handle all the sensory stuff going on right now. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely just iconic for sure. Uh, but I was going to say, as far as the high spots go, definitely that, that razor wire room. Um, I'll let you guys hit some because my, my next one is just the, the final scene. That was mine. My, my big note was that that razor wire scene was uncomfortable in a good way. You know, I, but yeah. I think you touched on like the, the opening scene to me is what stood out. And then the ending, I will say again, when I watch these movies, they almost feel like a, like an anime film (laughs) that, uh, where again, it's just like a real, real pretty visuals and and there's some crazy scenes and then it, it almost feels animated. Um, and I will say too, there's, a there's a lot of oddball characters that pop up because not just like the little boy, but a lot of the teachers were little, Oh man, that really hardcore teacher. She was so scary. She's like, she's the stereotype of scary German lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a scene I loved, um, was when we have the maggots, uh, force them to evacuate. I thought that was a, a great uh, not necessary vehicle for the story, but a wonderful reason to put them in that setting because then we have all of the girls having to stay down in like a gymnasium. Right. Where, and we put up a curtain around them for kind of the environment to go to bed. And you've got that just dark red light that's permitting to have shadows behind it. And it's just, it sets the tone for a very just uncomfortable scene. And it's just little things like that that uh, is why I gravitate, especially towards this film. It's just, it's a different experience. You're not going to get much of what you do in this film in American horror films, especially from that time. Right. It's very different. I I think another thing too is the, it does have the the soundtrack as well, but there's also like the recurring theme. That's almost like the mother where it's, it's like gibberish whispering. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost kind of like how they did with Jaws where, where the music represents what you can't see. Yeah. It's very, very memorable and, seven notes that Suspiria And I think has. one of my favorite things was uh, they kept it so vague that I think it's what you imagine. But uh, like any other witch movie, I feel like almost does like the like iconic like Wizard of Oz look where a lot of this movie was just eyes outside of a window and you're like, eyes without a face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't, I don't know, you really didn't see a whole lot from... Uh, they were almost like played up too, like like murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we get into that final scene? Let's do it. Where she finds the blue iris, gets into as Professor called the no no room, <laughs> and uh, in there is the fabled Black Queen that we heard about earlier. Elena Marcos. Yeah. Pretty creepy. Pretty creepy business. The um, mother of size. Mother of size. Mater. <laughs> I can't remember. I love the walkways leading up to that. I felt like that's something I'd really never paid attention to until we, we watched it for this episode where it, the walkways were leading up in a very bizarre way that almost creates anxiety. Like what in the hell is she getting ready to walk it up into? Yeah. It's a, and that goes back to that kind of nightmarish otherworldly 
kind of feel to some of the decisions they make with it, but the music's just thumping the as she's going. I know it sounds like the intro to Footloose. That yeah. was part of my notes too. <clears throat> but the Logman Logans didn't get credit, but. <laughs> Yeah, he owed them Professor a few years later. Right now. Yeah, I was gonna He's say like, we've compared it to anime, Rob Zombie, and uh, <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. Um, it's but, the uh, Italian white trash. <laughs> but I, no, I do love the the climactic ending um, with her basically getting to the witch that can't be seen. We've got the the very uh, jarring moment when the girl who has been killed from earlier comes running out oh, with the knife yeah. and she's got the her eyes gouged and. Uh, it's just a very loud and terrifying uh, ending. And one thing in particular that I love, uh, and it's common with, with these films, Italian horror that is, is the ending. We don't drag it out with a bunch of um, explanation and yeah. showing that certain people are right. We show her as because she, <laughs> she escapes as the building is trying to kill her on the way out, the ship flying everywhere. Um, and she goes out and she's laughing hysterically because she's just been through hell. But she's out. Yep. And then the credits roll. I love it. Yeah. And it's funny, too. There's not much of a struggle with the Black Queen. She just, like, walks up, stabs her in the neck, and goes, hmm, yeah. and then runs out of the building. Yeah, and I think with, with her, her power at that point was she was so old and un, uh, unobtainable up, up in her kind of sequestered private place, and mm -hmm. she's not visible uh, with her uh, witch powers. Uh, the, it made it like once somebody was smart enough and, actually get, and brave enough to get in there. They whooped her ass real quick and got it was out. like the final boss on a video game. Sometimes just they're easier that. to beat yep. than what you expect. Yeah, Suspiria. Suspiria! Suspiria. Pairs nicely with Lords of Salem. <laughs> and a nice bottle of Chianti. <laughs> I kid, I see where, where, what he was no, saying. No, you're very but. upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we move on to the next film? Mm -hmm. Should we get Professor a tissue? His tears about how mad he is. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right, next film, Inferno. And before uh, before you give us any specs on that, Professor, uh, I'm curious because Suspiria was so um, monumental for you. How long was it between your viewing of Suspiria and Inferno? I, mm, I'm guessing it had to be a while. Probably at least six or seven years. Yeah, yeah, because back then. We yeah. just didn't have access. Yeah, like I didn't live. Now. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't uh, buried in IMDb learning filmographies at that point. That wasn't a common thing. So I saw Suspiria. It was great. And then I wanted to see more of his movies. I had no idea that there was more. Yeah. Um, I, I think when I would have saw the first one, the third one didn't exist. But and I mean, it's it's really a nod to family video that they even had Suspiria. Yeah. And, but to imagine they would have Inferno, which is, that's just, yeah. a, that's a nod. So yeah, that's, Inferno that's was much further down the road for me. I yeah. think partially too, once I learned about it, I kind of didn't want to affect Suspiria. Yeah. So I just, I liked it so much that I never went after wanting to see a sequel for it. So yeah, there was, there was definitely some time much longer than there was in between when he made them. Sure. So sure. So what are the specs on Inferno? Uh, it was made in 1980, three years later after okay. Suspiria. Um, <clears throat> sole writing credit to Argento on this one, even though it's widely speculated that his wife uh, did write it. She did. Is, she take his last name when they got married? I don't think she ever did. Because it'd be funny, Dario and Daria. <laughs> Your um, names are Clark and Darla. <laughs> <laughs> but she is uh, Elise in the film. Uh, another notable notable uh, tidbit for this is Keith Emerson. 
of Emerson Lake and Palmer yeah. scored the film. Yep. Yeah. Um, so to me, we've got a sequel. This is more, I mean, it's loosely diving into the three mothers, Yes. but it's more of a spiritual sequel to me than it. I mean, it's its own story. That's kind of why these work in their own ways is they I don't would rely have thought too that heavily. This was made way longer after Suspiria from the way the film looks. I'm actually, I never looked and I, I'm baffled right now <laughs> that there was only that amount of time. It's interesting if you look at it <clears throat> and it's so funny because Suspiria could have been its own standalone movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think they talked about other mothers in Suspiria. Did they? They, they didn't, they didn't really even say her name. That right. Much. Right. So that's my point is that I feel like it wasn't until he had an idea for Inferno that, Again, you know, kind of. I feel like Inferno came came the the sequels, the idea. Yes, exactly. So I feel like when he made when he had the idea for Inferno, he was building an album around the singles that he had, and then he goes, "I will tie this to Suspiria." (laughs) And then also too, I think the reason for that, why I think that too, is because of how long it took him to make Mother of Tears, which we'll talk about when we get to Mother of Tears. I mean, we're talking like thirty years later. Um, I, I never knew either until. Mother of Tears was talked about that these were related because I'd never seen Inferno until way way later as well. I knew what Suspiria was, but it wasn't until they were talking about the third movie that I knew there was a trilogy. I think the same here. Yeah, yeah. Because Inferno, like even uh, even looking it up for the show, I don't think it's tagged. Like when you read it, it says that it's connected, but like the posters and I think the marketing, the marketing on these movies too were were just as odd because uh. They really didn't show you much of the movie. They just showed like a, a teaser of like, I think Suspiria has a, a, a girl in the mirror and when she turns around, it's a skeleton. Like it had nothing to do with the film. And Yeah. Grizz, you told me about Mother of Tears. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's it was, it was part of the Dimension Extreme series. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, that's when Mad Chan was working at Blockbuster and that's when Dimension Extreme was dropping a whole bunch of stuff. And part of that series was one of my favorites, Black Sheep. Uh, Dimension Extreme did that, and um, not which, Chris Farley which, film. Which was only. I think the I think the Weinstein company heard a lot of those movies because they were only only at Blockbuster, which means you had to go like a store like us. We could just go to the store and buy it, and was able to rent it out. But it was a hassle. So like movies like Mother of Tears, the owner of our store didn't even want to pick it up. Sure, and that's the thing too. I mean, I think Feast was on the Dimension Extreme line. Feast one, two, and three. Um, Halloween was. But it's also interesting, too, now in light of current events, to mention that the Weinstein brothers being aware of this sort of thing with the allegations against Weinstein by Ozzy Argento. So, I mean, just weird in retrospect, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so, yeah, so Mother of Tears came out, and it's like, oh, my God, there's actually a third Mother film now, 30 years later after, you know, Inferno came out. Um, so, yeah, Inferno. Uh, we get, um, right off the bat, the, the introduction of the, the three mothers book. There's now a book about, you know, which what I think that's a great opening. Cause again, for, I think without the book, cause, cause again, I think I would have been lost as to, to what the, what the attachment was. So I still don't know what the attachment, I, I text Grizzly <laughs> at the end of watching mother of tears. And I said, so how is this a trilogy again? And he's like, They've all got witches in it? There's Question three, mark. Three, yeah. Three mothers. Yeah. Sisters. Right. Not the black singers. The three sisters. <laughs> Not three sisters. 
Um, so one thing, so I love Inferno and I hate Inferno. Inferno is not nearly on the level of Suspiria. It's not nearly as good of a film. I love that at least for half of the film, there's a little bit more coherency in the fact that they're, you know, trying to unravel this whole thing with the three mothers. And so it's a little more linear than Suspiria. I would agree with that. Suspiria. In fairness, though, that didn't exist for Suspiria. Exactly. Right. And that's what I'm saying, too. My next point was going to be that Suspiria is a linear film when you get to the end, not from the beginning. Yeah. So it's 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 unfair to say Suspiria is nonlinear because it is once it's not how you it put reads, the bow though. on the package. It's not how it reads when yes. you're watching it. Yes. But once you read the last chapter, you're like, oh, I guess it did kind of make sense. Um so Inferno, you you get the three mothers book and you find out that um, you know there are three places Germany, Suspiria, New York and Rome. And it's these three witches and these houses were built for them by a certain architect, um, which we learn more about in mother of tears. Um, you know, this book is discovered at, at this little bookstore that's attached to the place where she's staying. Um, yeah, go, go from there guys. <laughs> I, I'm curious, just initial thoughts overall on this one. You said you didn't like it as much as Suspiria. Okay, so here's what's funny, though. I, I would put them on equal... I'd put all these on equal levels because they all had things I liked and things I disliked. I agree with that. Um, I think Inferno started strong. I really liked a lot of how Inferno started. I think in the end of the second act, it got really dry and weird. And it it some, loses a little bit. Yeah, it loses some steam. And then I really like the ending to Inferno. Really like the ending to Inferno. So that's that's me. Venomous. I yeah, you it reflects pretty much your opinion is pretty much the same as mine. I really don't have a whole lot to add to that. You kind of nailed what my feelings were on it. Hot toddy. Um, this is my second viewing. Uh it had been a while since I've seen Inferno, but uh I liked it even better this time around than the first time. And I, I still really liked it. Um I think for I don't know, maybe it's because I watched it first, but Suspiria, to me, stood out more. But this one had a lot of elements that I liked about the movie, as each movie does. And it, and I know they're not direct sequels, but it's it's easy just to copy what you've done. And I think it's uh, strong that each movie, he kind of did a little something different. And sure. uh, the fact that he said it in New York, I think he was trying to, you know, I mean, it's not an Americanized movie. I don't mean that at all. But um, I, I read uh, when... Uh, looking for the movie that James Wood was supposed to be the male lead, which would have been really oddball. But um, I don't know. I like the style that he went with this. And I think it still touched a lot of it. It's almost the bridge between the, the first and third movie because it's uh, it's still very visual. Um, I thought those underwater scenes were great. I thought what was cool is uh, yeah. Like the, the underwater ballroom scene is it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I kind of, that whole scene stresses me out because she just keeps reaching her hand down, which is like, why are you doing that? And then she takes her shoes off and just plops in. And uh, apparently, you know, she's all like, right. If we're going there, I've just got to say, she's got a world record of like holding her breath. <laughs> I just got to say what in the world, if you go to the basement of a weird bookstore and you see a little hole and I know you dropped your stuff in there, and that sucks. But why would why on earth would you dive in for it? <laughs> I'm sorry that I cut you off, but you guys were going there, and I had to say it. <laughs> Just dive right in. Bloop. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I don't think if they would have... Uh, I almost felt like that the underwater scene was connected more with Suspiria. If he wouldn't have told me it's in a different location, I would almost kind of thought like, oh man, is that the school? So it does kind of make sense that the same guy built all three places. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I still really like this movie. Because um, the bookstore is in the same building as this big apartment place mm-hmm. where she's staying and this. I think the, the oddest thing for me is there is stuff in this movie, again, because it's that bridge. So um, I didn't realize who the hell the lady is with her puss all sprawled out in the auditorium. <laughs> like literally the, the puss is on her lap. Uh, apparently that is the third witch. That's the mother of tears. So I think what's odd is, and I don't know why he did it, but why 1980 to, uh, 2007? Like, I don't know why the, the long gap and, uh, in the movies, but, uh, there's a lot of stuff that really wasn't answered in this movie. Like I looked up like, why, who the hell was the lady in the auditorium? Cause it never explained it almost like, uh, I feel like with a lot of these movies, like in the first one, there's a. Like, if you listen, they totally told you the whole movie at the beginning, but you just didn't listen. And so I kind of thought maybe her whispering would come into play later, like, because you couldn't hear what she said. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of, like, stuff that just wasn't really touched on in this one. And I will say I noticed more than any of the other films that this one's very, I almost laughed out loud of a lot of the on PC stuff, like The Gimp. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like there's just uh i don't know it's it's odd just like the other films but almost a little bit more odd which makes me like it so professor um, uh sir i was gonna ask you a okay. question you go ahead <laughs> can i finish yeah can i finish go ahead <laughs> no uh, i'm glad that you turned it around on us just to get like our input but now i want to i want to focus on you here okay. as someone who's such a fan of suspiria it could, Where does Inferno hit for you? It could not recapture what Suspiria did, for starters. Sure. So, uh, when you go into watching that, as long as you've already made your mind up on that, because for with Suspiria, that was kind of like just lightning in a bottle. You can't do a soundtrack again that's going to work quite like that. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's very few soundtracks in the history of horror cinema uh, that are as impressive in, in that category. I mean, Halloween psycho, sure. um, these things touched on kind of basic, uh, feelings within people that it tapped into. Suspiria had those seven notes and the colors and his presentation and the story it told. So if we're going to blossom out from that automatically, it cannot be as good as the first one because the, that's what made the first one great. With that said, this is a pretty impressive film for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because, not only does it kind of uh, tonally capture what's going on in the first one and put it in a different setting, uh, we we now go bigger in scope, but in the process, we make the first one better because we've now added kind of to the mythos with all of this. Sure. Um, so now Suspiria, without it being directly affected, is bigger. Yep. Um, which I think is impressive and the mark of a good sequel. So with that, I respect it no matter what. Right. I think uh, visually it's wonderful. Um, it taps into playing with colors again. And instead of primary colors, we're now venturing off into pinks and pink and purple are very big in this. Oh yeah. And so it's kind of like we're combining uh, the, the core that we used in Suspiria and, mm-hmm. and we're painting a more intricate picture. I, it sounds like horseshit, but it's how I feel. <laughs> so with that, um, we, we take it and and we just we build the story up and so 
for that, it works. I mean, it's it's not as jarring at any point mm-hmm. as Suspiria was, um, but it's it's still good. And for kind of having the deck stacked against it, it really succeeded pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's got some pretty neat visuals, um, and I do agree the storytelling is more compelling. Um, I didn't need it. Yeah, for me to necessarily enjoy one of these films, right? But it adds to it, and it's more engaging because uh, it's that you know kind of classic investigative approach that that'll engage any viewer. Uh, when we now have pulled a book off the shelf and we've looked at something that's bigger, yeah, um, something that we don't necessarily understand, and that makes it more of an interesting watch. And so I like the relationship of kind of connecting the dots around the globe. And giving a very basic idea to these films, which is there are three women who are incredibly powerful and rule the world with uh, what sorrow, darkness, tears. tears. I think those yep. are the three. Sorrow. Um, uh, uh, this one's the mother of pain. So. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's weird. One yeah, of my, they've, they've, they've got they've like two it names. They're yeah. like a, it's like Destiny's Child. It's just yeah. how I think of it. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right because you're they're bugaboo. they've got different names. So like, this is the mother of what? Uh, mother of pain. Right, but she's also the mother of darkness. darkness she, yeah. She's Mater Tenebram, yep. you know? Royal Which Tenebram. confused, every time they said that, I kept thinking, like, does that, Friday, is that movie Tenebram. part of the series, too? Is the, So I had to look that up as well, and was like, oh, that's not related to but, the... Which reminds, I was listening to Killer POV or Shockwaves, one of the two, and they were talking about it, and they were like, um, oh, the second mother, she's Mater Tenebranum. What does Tenebranum, Tenebrae mean? And I'm like, huh. I do a Tenebrae church service on Good Friday. It's darkness. <laughs> it's darkness. And they were like, waited five minutes. Like, oh, I Googled it. It's darkness. Yep, which is also another good movie of his. Oh, they, Check I, out I think Mother, of, Mother yeah. of Shadows is also Switch of Darkness. Yeah, so they kind of muddied that up with having the multiple names I like for to do that. Each movie, it's like, very Italian. They're, they're like, uh, she's the, the Mother of Shadows, the cruelest of them all. And then like the third movie, they're like, she's the cruelest. Yeah, like somebody from the corner is <laughs> like, but you said darkness. And they're like, shut up and watch art. <laughs> <laughs> you will enjoy art, dumb American. But, so I think that's important, though, for <laughs> listeners, that if they've watched these films and struggle with it, um, is that at the core of it, each film is tackling one of these three powerful women. We, yeah. We're going to their place almost like a video game or an adventure tale <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and figuring out how to get to the boss. That's the, the yeah. crux of each film. Yeah, uh, They're very different, but that at the core of it is what they are. And so I think that when you when you kind of think of it that way and approach it that way, they're pretty fun movies. Sure. Um but yeah, I, I just, that's my overall thoughts on this is that for what it needed to do, it did it well. It's, it's not as, as good of a film for me, but it's, it's still impressive for what it set out to accomplish. Yeah. So I guess, you know, synopsis here over, you I know, mean, I think it's pretty basic is just the, it's the, the, her name same is Rose. Idea. So it starts out with Rose and she's investigating and she's writing to her brother, Mark. Who's Who, calling her? Mark is in Rome, right? Right. Yeah. It's weird. So he's like, which is why back. he sees the the third witch because that's where she's at. Yeah. Is, yeah. is Rome. Yeah, yep. he's being distracted even from the moment he gets the letter in class. He's got her yep. turn around and staring at him and alluring him and getting him to leave the letter. So we've got these these powers around the globe. Yeah. And that's I think really fun that they can they've got that kind of reach. Yeah. That they know that a letter has been sent because. Uh, talk about shit in your pants. You you get this book, you read it, and you think, I live in one of those buildings. <laughs> right. What? Right. It's like reading a history book in your town and find out your house is haunted. Yeah, it's like, like son of a 
Bitch! Oh, there was a multiple murder. I went to the same school as Jim Jones. What? What? Right. Which is why we end up with her underwater in the very surreal, bizarre experience because she's poking around. She's trying to figure out if she can find well, and, something and, in this building. And the first one was Snow White, so this one's Hansel and Gretel. So you get the brother and sister, and, and that's a good witch, point. The witch is kind of that. wearing them off, and it, it, it does still have like the. I think the third movie loses the grim fairy tale a little bit, but uh, the first two are almost remind me of, of like his weird version of grim fairy tales. Yeah, I never thought about that with Hansel and Gretel. That's interesting. Hmm. How about that, Vinny? Did you catch that? No. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to catch. Nope. That. He's trying to catch some slices of summer sausage. <laughs> No, did not did not catch my last note on this movie is I don't understand anything that is happening in this movie. That is literally what I wrote down. You're fake news. <laughs> you are fake news. Wrong. Uh, Wrong. So uh I, I don't know if I caught it in the credits or not, but uh this is the last movie that, that Mario Bava am I saying it right? I never mm-hmm. yeah. much of these names, but I think he passed away shortly after. But I think in, in this movie, uh Argento was sick. And so he came in and helped, is what I read. Hmm. Um, but it kind of makes sense because I feel like there's that odd style that he does in movies too. So there was like the weird, uh, the scene that stood out for me, and it probably shouldn't, but it's the I put down Fancy Feast Attack. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I steal it all my high spots, Todd. <laughs> I wrote down that that is my mom's biggest fear. My mom's afraid of cats, and I've always laughed about that being ridiculous. Let and alone then, flying cats. <laughs> And then this scene, I'm like, oh, there's there's what goes through mom's head. There's there was a lot of scenes of cats before that too, where it would show a close up of them eating and yeah. And the witch has a cat, the one in Italy, the one that's mm-hmm. in the classroom. She has a very to... big cat. <laughs> <laughs> big old cat. Um, all right, so are we are we hitting high spots now? Let's do sure. that. Evidently, Todd's burying the lead here. So yeah, uh, flying cats. That was a, a great. Awful scene. The, the, so that's what I'm talking about. When I say this film starts strong and finishes strong, there's this weird shit in the middle with flying cats. Rats. Uh, yeah. And the guy's screaming, the rats are eating me! <laughs> help! I think he's in Central Park. Yeah. What about the, the guy that comes over to help him? Welcome to New York. How yeah, about him flailing around first? My crutch! My, it's like, bitch, it's behind you. Like, yeah. you can't feel it, you dumbass? That was by far the most out-of-place scene in the film. Like, the orchestra <laughs> playing. It's just bizarre. It's so weird. And that's where the film lost me. I was like, yep, you just went full and Italian I, on Like, this. I get it because he's the book dealer. He's helped be, uh, start the uncover of, of people learning. And so they're killing him. They're bringing anything in any direction they can. Yeah. And so that's the, you know, the point of the, of the food truck worker basically is possessed. Yeah. By a spell, he's sent over to finish off the job when yep. he thinks he's getting help. And so I get it, but with like the lunar eclipse and the orchestra music playing, it's but, pretty but bizarre. But is, is the layman gonna gonna pick up that the guy in the trailer is being a spells put on him? And I don't think you that, get that till the third movie. Uh, yeah, I to right. me, I don't think the layman well, no, I just kind of think about witches and that anything is being thrown oh, out. Oh, we got a witch expert on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, that's, that's the concession I kind of make. Oh, they... witchologist, huh? <laughs> I, uh, witch, please. I like that the house had a lot Hexologist. of... The, the house had a lot of glory holes. <laughs> <laughs> which they could talk through. Oh, boy. Uh, There's like a whole weird subplot of like the, the maiden butler. Like They're like, that bitch is gone. <laughs> you just take her stuff. 
Um, I like, you know, she goes looking for the book in that library, in that giant, gorgeous library. That's really cool. And then that weird man with the demon hands chases her out. <laughs> yeah. Get out! You know, and there's like 36 doors she has to it's go like through. Flea market. He was getting ready to throw hot, <laughs> yeah. he was gonna throw hot grease on her. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, any other high spots before we get to the ending here? Nah. Is that, that sister decapitation? Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that was probably one of my favorite kills was the, uh, was with the wind, the, the window glass. Yeah. And then the weird little Ozzy Osbourne demon hand. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Um, coming I, into I, the... I will say one other thing that we didn't touch on. I, I did like the weird, I like the weird, like mystery of like the, the key is under the sole of your shoes, which I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But. I think that started the whole movie, and there was a weird thing with threes. There was three books and three sisters, and when she dropped her keys, there's three keys on the. When she floated down into the Titanic under the basement, <laughs> right, and then held her breath for. Her name was Rose. <laughs> She'll never let go. <laughs> so I just want to say my favorite scene in that whole movie is the ending with the witch. When she smashes through that mirror and she screams death, and then all of a sudden she's a giant, like g- grim reaper she like skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it exactly. reminds me of uh, Prince of Darkness and that vision that they're having of it yeah. walking out of the the center of the building. Yeah, that that is instantly yeah. what I thought of. It's it awesome. I felt I, the first one I noticed like creep show and stuff. I feel like a lot of uh. Like I kept noticing, I feel like Hellraiser, like like especially the sequel, was inspired by this movie, mm. like with the the weird passageways and the and the corridors mm-hmm. and the it's just all right there. Yeah, the, the style. This... I feel like I feel like this one influenced a bunch of uh, later '80s movies. Yeah, sure. I think that the ending of this is more rewarding than Suspiria. Yeah, yeah. In terms of, of I agree the the final. Uh, getting to the witch and and how we present that. I mean, Suspiria is fine, the ending's fine, but I think this is more epic. Yeah. And when we've went to kind of like this global stage and we're in the urban setting as yeah. opposed to out in this smaller scale with the original, and the building becomes epic. an inferno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get hot. I kept wondering. I was like, why is this movie called Inferno? Don't and then ever the wonder of, why an Italian movie. At has the end, the I was title. like, okay. All right, now I see. All right, any more thoughts on Inferno? Just that I liked with how with the building, it kind of had almost a Rosemary's Baby feel with learning that certain people were actually these other things. Yeah. With the nurse helping the guy who, you know what I mean, who then tries to shoot shoot our main uh, male hero Mm -hmm. with the injection, and we learned that he's you know, a part of this and that the nurse is actually, you know, helping this whole big effort in this building is what we really have going on. And I kind of like how we reveal that more clearly than we do in Suspiria. Suspiria, it's more about seeing the door open mm-hmm. and seeing the group in there. Yeah. And that we have a coven of witches. But with this, we see more of an orchestrated effort of who's protecting and kind of the lines of defense to protect this powerful creature that we have there. Yeah. So I, I like kind of the way we, re- we uncovered that and revealed it through the ending. I thought just the whole last little leg of it with the reveals and the finish were more epic in scale than Suspiria was. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Moving right along to the final of the three mothers trilogy. We get the mother of tears. Professor got any specs? Uh, 2007 
quite a few years later. A little bit. Um, we've got a little bit. Uh, Argento writing with more people on this one. Uh, we have his daughter in the main role. Uh, who Say her name. Asia Argento. <laughs> Spelled Asia. Yeah. Girl, your name's Asia. Um, and her mom, who has helped with uh, the, the previous films, either being in them or writing, uh, appears as her mom in this. Uh, which is cool to have her back after, as I mentioned, there was a little bit of a falling out, mm-hmm. uh, both in their relationship, but even previously professionally with with the writing credit over Inferno. Um, and then we have Udo Kier returning, yeah, uh, which is pretty neat to have yeah. him in a, a reappearance yeah, in a different role. As like an exorcist priest. Yeah, yeah so we've, we've got um, nearly three decades. Uh, I actually think it helps this film, the time. Sure. As opposed to making it right after. Sure. I like that there's more of a generational feel just inadvertently from it. You know, that we're still trying to to basically beat the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- almost three decades later. So I think that actually aided the film. I, I will say just right off the bat, my initial thoughts is that it's inferior to the other two. By far. Um, it, it, it couldn't. There wasn't a choice. It was going to be no matter what. I'm glad that it got made. Um, I'm glad that we see the our third witch that we've mentioned previously. So I'm glad that it exists. I think it has some merits, you know, within it. Uh, but it's just it's not as good from if nothing else, just a filmmaking standpoint. Uh, the soundtracks and the and the visuals and and the way the older films were laid out were just they're superior. So and this film is just balls to the wall action. Like yeah. there's never a dull moment in this film, which yeah. part of me likes that. Like part yeah. of me likes that there's it's, always something it's going good on. That it's it keeps different. you yeah, it keeps you engaged. And so I feel like but man, I feel like if you were following the Dimension Extreme line and you were watching all of these films that were coming out and then you stumbled upon this, how confused would you be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um all right. Um, it, he kind of touched on it. Uh, my my biggest note, which it, it does have a different tone, but uh, the beauty and the scores of the first two movies are gone. Yeah. Um, and this one felt more grounded and and grittier, and it was definitely more brutal mm-hmm. than the uh, the other two. I, I kind of uh, watching this movie, I, I kept thinking a lot of the Omen films, especially yeah. uh, the Final Conflict. Um, I I still like this movie and um. It, it is hard to say, like uh, like you just said, if if it would have been a couple years later, and it was the same tone as the other two movies, I don't, I don't know. It works and it doesn't work. Yeah, right. It's a very American. And I, I will say, uh, there's film. a couple CGI moments, but they're uh, they're bad. But they, the, but it, it was kept at a minimum to where it, it doesn't, it didn't really take me out of the film as much. But uh, for the time period, he could have made this whole movie about odd special effects and CGI. And I mean, we did get ghost mom quite a bit, but, um, yeah, not to compete with ghost dad. Yeah. Starring Bill Cosby. Uh, venomous. I was exhausted by the time I got to this movie. I, I mean, honestly, I was like, because of the perspective and the experience that I have with That's the other two films, if you weren't crazy. About well, yeah. Other, and then it's just like, Oh fuck. Another one. Um, and you're right. The tone is different with this one. Um, 
I kept waiting for Jason Statham to pop out and help us. <laughs> You're right it out. that the, the yeah, right. artistic direction seems diminished quite a bit. The ghost mom thing, I was like, what in the fuck is going on here? Are we doing this just because we can with technology at this point? Um, now, that being said, there were some high spots for me in the movie. Um, but as a whole, I was just glad to be done with it by the time it was over. And I won't go into much else until we hit the high spots. But uh, I was exhausted. I was I was ready to be done by the time this one came I, along. And and I agree, it was more Americanized, um, but not necessarily in a good way. I, I like, feel like maybe this- in all the bad, worst ways you could Americanize something. You took away all the good things. <laughs> About it, <laughs> you know what I mean, mm-hmm. by making it American. Well, it, it's it's odd that it's still uh, it has a foreign feel, but uh, the Dimension Line at this point was making so many sequels like Hellraiser and Prophecy, and all of them I feel like were in the same location as this was. So I think this one worked better than a lot of those sequels because uh, probably because it was still uh, Dario doing it. But so we open with this final film. And uh, they have found a coffin and an urn. And when they unearth it and crack it open, they unlock the evil of the third mother. You know, we come back to this three mothers book again. So we've got some continuity in the storyline. And basically, yeah, once that happens, the witches start congregating, which I think. Because like the craft. Yeah, it was totally. It was like the craft, and it was like witches, the Jim Henson movie. Like it had a lot of those elements to it. It was bonkers. It was annoying. <laughs> it had all those pieces to it. Because like you just got these groups of witches going through an airport, going ah, yeah. people walking by. It's like uh, Gwen Stefani background dancers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not sure, but yes, I'm going to go with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, uh, ladies, you're ten years late to the rave. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's just, yeah. So from there, you've got this unlocking, this gathering in Rome where the final thing's going to take place. And they bring back the architect who designed all of the buildings. You get the, the little Ziggy statues in the, uh, in the urn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so more religious imagery with this one, which wasn't entirely there with the other ones. And so um, basically with, with this coffin and urn being opened and evil being unlocked, uh, the whole city starts going apeshit. Like everyone in the town starts going nuts. There's fighting, there's rioting. Which I love that everyone notices, but Sarah. Right. She's like, something (laughs) weird is happening. And that lady just throws her baby off of the bridge. That was, that caught me off. That was disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, that I went (laughs) sitting in my house (laughs) My wife's playing on her phone, and as I'm watching, I go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, that yeah. was a that was, was jaw dropping for me. That was like the starter pistol for everything going nuts in <laughs> yeah. the film. Like this lady throws her baby off the, a bridge. The, the crazy and... ass baby monkey. Yes, God, there are so many monkeys in this movie. <laughs> what is the deal with the freaking monkeys in this movie? But as they un as they unlock that or they they open that urn up and like that evil man when those robed figures take that professor lady and put that medieval mouth spreader mm-hmm. in her mouth and like crack it open. There's some brutal kills in this movie. Yeah, there's some glimpses where you're like, Oh, he's still got it. Yeah. Or at least the, there. The yeah. Les- the lesbian gets stabbed in her cuckoo. Those, big, right. Those are my, my high spots in here. Every one of them is gore effects and practical effects. Yeah. I thought it was leaps and bounds beyond what had been done in the past with his movie. These, I, I thought these they other threw a two, baby off a bridge. <laughs> for these last two, this is leaps and bounds better. And even being in what two thousand, would you say seven? Mm-hmm. 
these are all practical effects. Like the main ones that I like, uh, the head smash and the train door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I the feel like the entrails. The, the, the ones that were CGI were done. Right. So basically, um, the story develops and, uh, what's her, I just, I just want to keep going. Ozia. So it's Sarah, right? Who's I, my big note for Sarah is why is Sarah so stupid? <laughs> yes. Very. <laughs> Uh, in my one note before I get back into the storyline is why does Dario Argento have his own daughter nude? That ain't the, the only film? time. It's not. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what. But you know that like titties aren't a big deal over there. I guess so, but that's his daughter, dog. And in yeah. future news, Donald Trump <laughs> is directing a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah is hearing voices. You know, it keeps telling her what to do, how to get away, how to hide. It's her mother, ghost mom that keeps popping up. But we find out that the mother of size killed her parents. Which then I, I was like, I thought I missed something from the first movie. And I was like, was she like one of the, was she a background dancer? Like what, what's happening? <laughs> um, that's all I got till the end. <laughs> um, well, we, you, you took the baby. We mentioned the coot coot. <laughs> no, you mentioned the coot coot. Yes. Let's <laughs> clarify that. Here's what happened. All right. I like the catacombs. We've like, got uh, yes. over 20 years of Argento going, I need to do this. I need to do this third witch movie. And then he goes to the movie theater in 2006 and sees the Da Vinci Code. And he's like, now Man, I know what I'll do. You ain't lying. Yep. And there's your movie. Yeah. I mean, there, it's not worth going you know, through every motion. It's just on the run, trying to figure out through artifacts and history and research. Unlock codes. As the, this art just antiquated evil is after you and that's your movie um so i mean for what it was it was all right but yeah like there's there's some jarring moments i thought that uh his daughter was a a good move for the film i thought that she at least made it interesting um but i mean that's really it like we just journey around trying to figure out eventually where our third dwelling is and we do Mm-hmm. Uh, with the is it the powerful alchemist uh, that that helped her? I love the witch, the witch where she literally licks the tears off the like she's like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> the catacombs as you mentioned. Once we get to the dwelling, uh, that was a cool setting. Yeah, um, but it, you at that point we are now mirroring our other films. Yeah, we get to the dwelling, we go after the witch. Yep, we That's... beat the witch, we laugh hysterically as we leave. Yeah, we just like the, the end of Suspiria, yep. the laughing hysterically. You know, which was kind of a fun bookend. Yeah, sure, sure. So, what do we want to talk about the the ending there, with the the getting to the witch? Anything, any any uh, thoughts on that? Not as impressive as the last one. No. No, I don't have any thoughts. Uh, well, before before <laughs> a she more gets sexual there, approach the, the, to her. The scene with Michael. Yeah, a lot of weird, weird sex uh, stuff. Witch in this boobies. One. The, the, the tells from uh, or the uh, scary stories. Michael moment where he has a little ribbon around his neck and he's like, Ugh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I thought this one was good for what it was, but like it was, it was the worst of the three. I don't, I liked all three movies. Um, if I was going to remake this film series, it, it would be kind of cool to see. There's uh, our final buzzer folks. It'd be kind of cool to see if they uh, took like a Harry Potter approach and knew they were making three films and had like intertwinable, characters and, and and moments of each movie um but i like the series as a whole yeah yeah i mean i think most people going into this are expecting it to be kind of a turd 
and are kind of surprised with some of its elements. I avoided I know this I for was. so long just because I was like, how is a Dimension movie in 2007 going to stack up to I didn't see this one for a first time until probably a year ago. I watched it for this show. Yeah. This was my second viewing of it, but I didn't watch this one until fairly recently. So, overall, Good any more to add, Venomous? No, no, I was exhausted with this trilogy. It, this, this, I gave it an honest try, and these just aren't for so me. So what you're saying is you haven't ordered an Argento big box set. <laughs> I have not. All right, fair enough. Right on. Um, I don't hate these movies, but I definitely don't love them. Um, Rug. My, <laughs> my closing <laughs> thoughts, if you are a big horror fan, check out Suspiria. If you feel yeah, if it grabs you, keep yeah, going. Yeah, keep going. I, I would recommend not, Suspiria to, to... I just feel like it's... I don't think I would recommend the trilogy. I would recommend Suspiria. I would recommend Suspiria to all horror fans yeah. if they're serious about watching a lot. Uh, but I that's with the understanding that a percentage of them are not going to feel the same way yeah. but it's it's worth watching at least once it's you know, interesting filmmaking someone should watch Suspiria for the same reason they should watch Todd Browning's Dracula I yeah. mean it's it's iconic but yeah Todd Browning's Dracula is boring yeah you know what I mean like it, but it's it's important to the genre mm-hmm. sure um but yeah if you like Suspiria you can go on to Inferno and Mother of Tears if not just stick with Suspiria keep that in your pipe <laughs> you know like that's that's it so um, as you said, these aren't for everybody. And as we've, we've split pretty well on the show here, uh, you know, you, uh, I may have enjoyed them a little bit more than Vinny, but not much more. Um, they're just not for me. So, uh, <laughs> Puka did not like them either. Um, so w- professor and, and hot toddy. I love them. Yeah, of course. First two. <laughs> yeah. Third, not so much. Not so much. I, you know what? I don't even, I don't want to throw love out for Inferno. I really enjoy that one. Yeah. Uh, but Suspiria, that dances around in my top 10 horror. Sure. Just constantly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Suspiria is up there. I would, uh, you know, we got to see Suspiria in the theater. I would love to see Inferno in the theater. Mm, that'd be as neat. Well. Uh, go after the restoration Synapse Films did, if you're interested. It is one of the most jaw dropping changes in quality of a film it's just it's incredible cool cool all right very cool i'm glad we did this episode it's a little bit outside of our comfort zone um but definitely worth doing especially as our role as a you know as we cover all sorts of different stuff so next month when i get weird with fulci yeah great (laughs) really looking forward to it so wrapping up another fun-filled episode of the midwest monsters podcast i'm one of your hosts grizzly admiral i'm joined by and i'm disappointed just kidding (laughs) professor wagstaff thanks hot toddy venomous benny stay scary friends 